Welcome to EWM Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Through Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on, sharing, and developing human capital. Darian, thank you so much for joining me today. This is really a pleasure. It is an honor to have my friend Darian with, with me today, uh, just sitting and, and sharing some things. So thank you, my friend. You're welcome. Happy to be here, bud. Listen, with the first time you and I met, the first time you and I met, we were um, at the NEC. I think it was the uh, Golf NEC up at Sahali. And Sahali, and, exactly. Sahali, right? And uh, you were on you were on detail there, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. It, you were with the uh, this uh, which sheriff's office was it? King County Sheriff's Office. King County Sheriff's Office. Right. And uh, and so we met there, and I was I was standing outside of the um, outside of the clubhouse. And Tiger had just walked in and refused to sign for a little girl. And that's a whole other story. Yeah, exactly. I remember that. <laughs> right? But yeah. um, that's where you and I met, and we talked, and we've been friends ever since. So You were sharp that day, man. And that's why I noticed that you had, I can remember right now, you had on a nice, it was a light blue shirt like I'm wearing right now with some pinstripe summer pants, some nice cold hot <laughs> loafers. I said, that, that guy's sharp. I right then, that's, that guy knows what he's doing. He's that's a Brian Flusher's book. <laughs> that's exactly how we start. He's a, you're an expensive dresser. You're an expensive yeah. dresser. Yeah. So, so that is great. Well, listen, share a little bit about your path. I mean, you know, we met there, right? And your path has gone, uh, you know, just it's been an exciting uh, journey, really. Uh, in in both the ups and the downs, and um, share us a little bit about your path um, and where you are now, and then uh, we'll get into uh, some other questions that I have for you. Sure. Um, I was a uh, deputy with King County Sheriff's Office for uh, almost 20 years, just shy of 20 years, and uh, during my tenure there, I worked patrol for about four years, and all I wanted to do is kick doors, be a SWAT guy. So, um, funny story, but I wasn't even on FTO yet. Um, it was like a free ride where you're riding with a trainer, but they're not grading you. And I saw the King County Sheriff's Office SWAT team training in a big, huge parking lot at Precinct 3 in Maple Valley. And I took it upon myself at lunchtime just to walk over. Granted, I've only been outside on my own um, with an FTO. I just got out of the academy like two months prior to that. And I walked up to the sergeant and said, hey, what do I need to do to get on the SWAT team? And every single one of the SWAT guys looked at me and said, who is this guy? And the sergeant looked at me and he says, you know, it took a lot of courage for you to walk over here. Most people, most recruits are scared of us. About four years, you can take the test. I said, okay, I'll see you in four years. Four years later, I finished number one on the list and I became a SWAT team member. Wow. And I spent, I spent uh, the last... 15 years of my um, career on the SWAT team, or 16 years. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So what was it about SWAT? I mean, 
you know, so some people want to get out of the way. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, I've always, I mean, as a kid, you know, we're all kids. I mean, I was a big GI Joe fan. Okay. And I, and I told myself, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a black GI Joe. Okay. And no military service. Um, went to college for a little while, moved to Europe for several years, learned a foreign language, came back and said, you know, it's time to grow up now and be a cop. And I said, if I'm going to be a cop, I want to be a GI Joe cop. So I looked into studied and researched the SWAT team. I said, that's what I want to do. I like to go fast. I like shooting. I like training. And uh, I'm glad I made the decision. I mean, I was so passionate about what I did for a living at, at that time. I would have done it for free. I really, really enjoyed it. I know that's facetious, but yeah, I was really, really passionate about getting on the team. And during the time before I got on the team, I would show up to training and just hang out, you know, on my own time. Mm. And then they finally invited me in to do, you know, be a bad guy sometimes and learn some things. So basically, I learned a lot about the SWAT team before I even became a, a SWAT team member. Much like um, Mr. Gladwell's book, 10,000 Hours. Mm -hmm. I have been training with the SWAT team every month since probably I'd been on a year after I got off probation. So by the wow. time I tested, I had already known pretty much how the team operated. So you I reconned it. Yep, I reconned it way ahead of the, way of the curve. All the guys knew me. And yeah. then I knew that I had to perform because my father always told me, he says, listen, you know, you want to do the best you can. And you always got to work a little harder than everybody else sometimes. Yeah. Bootstraps. And I've always taken that. And I had a really good, I have a good work ethic. So um, I got on the team and finished number one on the list. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was quite a journey. Um, I felt a passion for uh, training and tactics and firearms. So I became a firearms instructor and the competition shooter to make me a better SWAT operator. I did, I studied the whole, I studied the whole game of SWAT basically. Okay. And I wanted to be the best operator that I possibly could. So shooting competition um, helped me become a better shooter, of course, but it also taught me discipline. It also taught me to see more faster. Okay. Does that make any sense? It makes perfectly good sense. It makes exactly. perfectly good sense. So you, you spent your time working on the components absolutely to, to make you a better uh operator SWAT operator or SWAT officer for those yeah. that you know for, for the layman, right? Yeah. Um and your after hours uh things that you did also went back into focusing on rounding you out for that absolutely with that right so yeah. your passion was basically complete yes in, inside 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 swan well i've always had i've always been um very uh, athletic and i've never been out of shape per se but when i when i was pursuing a swat career i knew i had to keep my fitness level at a high standard mm -hmm. i also felt that if you're a swat operator swat officer yeah all your tactics and your firearm skills are just, you know, tier one. They have mm -hmm. to be. That was how I felt. So I ate, sleep, and drank training. I, dr I dry practiced every day. I, I thought about tactics all the time. So I was OCD 100%. I'm all in. I want to be a SWAT guy. And once I became a team member, I excelled. And uh, because of my shooting skills, um, I, I'm a master class shooter, 
IP, IPSC, IDPA, and I'm also a master firearms instructor. And a lot of that is due to me a shooting competition. Now, what do those terms mean? Uh, I, I don't practical know. Practical Pistol, or the USPSA is the United States Practical Pistol Association. It's okay. basically action shooting. Okay. So, um, but I felt that it's a, what can I do to improve my skill set when needed mm -hmm. is to shoot competitive. Because in my opinion, USPSA shooters are by far combat, combat shooting are the best shooters in the world, period. And I will argue that with anyone. They are the best of the best shooters. Um, speed, actually, and power. You know, they, they, they're, they're very good shooters. So I thought taking that aspect of training, get into it so much that I enjoy it, of course, and then apply all the things I've learned from practical shooting to what I do for a living. That makes sense now? Yeah, it does. It makes perfectly good sense. So and SWAT is like the 911 for the police officer, right? Absolutely. I mean, so yeah. by the time you SWAT's being called in, bad actors have already been acting bad and the police have not been able to, um, to corral the situation. Do, do I have that correct? You have that absolutely correct. We're like, we're, we're the 911 for the, for the police department. Um, all the, you know, hostage rescue, um, barricaded suspect, armed robberies, um, a prisoner transport, um, high profile prison transport. Um, we were tasked with uh, guarding the infamous uh, um, Gary Ridgeway. Oh. The SWAT team, we had to, we watched him for several years. Okay. While he was waiting for his trial. Got so we were, we were assigned to that. So we get all the bad actors. Yeah. Um, so therefore, you know, our, our level of training needs to be a little higher. Yeah. So we had a really, really good team. We certainly did. Yeah. So there's got to be a lot of pressure that comes with that as well. I mean, sometimes, you know, if, if you're an accountant, you've got pressure. If you're a psychologist, you've got pressure. Um, if you're a, a SWAT uh, operator, when you go home, you've got pressure. And do I, do I have that correct? You do, absolutely. I mean, it's a tough job. I mean, being a police officer is a tough job, period. I mean, you know, you deal with the worst of the worst of folks. Um, but as, as a SWAT operator, you're really dealing with the, the worst element of society, real bad guys um, that are dangerous. So they call in the SWAT team. But, you know, I've always been a firm believer, and most of the teammates that were with me felt that preparation equals execution. Mm-hmm. And winning is just a byproduct. Preparation equals execution. Execution. And winning is just a byproduct. And what I mean by that, Paul, is basically you train and train and train and train until you perfect it. Tactics, shooting, all those things. For example, you, you talk about moving or entry, moving through rooms, clearing rooms. You want it to be as it's 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 second nature. Mm -hmm. You get to that point, it takes thousands of repetitions doing that. So if you are well trained and you're doing what you're supposed to do, you're gonna make mistakes, but you make mistakes during training. Mm -hmm. You fix those mistakes while you're training and you get better and better. So when you do go to a high-risk search warrant, as soon as the door opens, you, there's no thought. Right. There's no thought. You're just flowing through a house, doing your job. Um, it's controlled aggression because we're dealing with, with bad people. Mm -hmm. um, however, 
it's also your professional and there's really not a lot of emotion. You gotta leave your emotions outside because right. emotions is what gets a lot of SWAT operators hurt. Mm -hmm. And if you get too wrapped up in the emotions and you push the hit, which means you're pushing, say there's a bad guy and he's and he hurt one of your, your partners or an officer was killed and you push that instead of using the tactics and being patient, officers get killed. And that's happened. That's what happened in Oakland wow. um, several years ago. So we've always been one to have patience. He's locked in his house. He's gonna come out eventually. <laughs> Where's he going? There's no right. need to rush into the house. Right. So therefore, I mean, I can go on and on about that, but I'm a firm believer in training and our team was really well trained. And uh, I had something to do with that, but I was not the best operator on the team. We've had some pretty squared away guys. We were fortunate enough to have a dev group uh, uh, SEAL Team 6 guy on our team. Oh, wow. Yeah, very wow. And he took our team. He had retired. Um, he was still in the reserves. But he had taken our team to a whole nother level. And he tells us, I said, John, man, you're the man. He goes, yeah, I was kind of on the uh, on the big SWAT team. Oh, yeah, the Navy SEAL dev group team. There's only like a, a hundred of you guys. <laughs> and uh, he was he was a good dude. Good dude, well trained, and he took our team to a whole nother level, which yeah. took us to two national championships in 2009 and 2010, um, called the American Heroes Challenge. Oh, and okay. This competition was basically um, special operations groups um, from around the world, and any special operations organization or team, uh, law enforcement, civilian. Mm -hmm. So it was in Las Vegas, and. Uh, I, at that time, was a sponsored shooter. I was sponsored by Magpul, and, you know, I was big time in the competition shooting, and I knew I could probably get some support for us to, uh, to go. Well, unfortunately, the department didn't pay for it, so I had to go out and, and uh, campaign and talk to various people that I knew, um, uh, various church organizations that I knew, and they said, you know, you guys, this is a good cause, because the competition was for um, soldiers that were killed and hurt in overseas in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was for a good cause. So we put a team together. We trained hard. And I told the guys, I said, look, we're going to do well here. So don't be nervous. I said, because we are all good shooters. Because we've been training, sh action shooting, tactics. We're all very serious. And we're in phenomenal shape. And I said, we can do pretty good. We didn't expect to win. We got there. And we won. Every, there were eight stages, and we won six of the eight. And LAPD SWAT was there, Las Vegas Metro SWAT. You had some uh, guys that were, uh, the, the uh, PJs were there. All of these groups were there and we took the title and it shocked everyone, kind of shocked us too. Wow. Yeah. And then the next year we went back and won again. That's <laughs> 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 trash talking. Like, yeah, okay, a little, little trash talk. Well, you know, from, from there, from there, you know, you're, um, you know, people wanted to spend time with you. People wanted you to endorse their product. People yes. wanted to um, have you advise in in Hollywood on on the set on yeah. how does it how to make a tactic uh, in a in a movie how to make it look authentic. Um, with that came you know fame uh, yes. came uh, a lot of interesting things that came. Um, and additional pressures. And then with that, 
came some some decisions um, that may have changed your trajectory. Uh, can you share Definitely. that a little bit? Yeah. Well, after um, I'd always we had a I had a good career. Um, chief, I'd been promoted to chief firearms instructor. Um, very good instructor. It's my, I love to teach because I'm all, consider myself always a student. You've, you, you've worked with me, Paul. You know how I am. <laughs> and um, I was, you know, gaining some momentum. And um, one of the um, captains on our department said, you know what, Just, you, you have a gift to teach. You know, you might want to start your own business teaching. So I did. And then within a few months, um, I started a small business called Praetor Defense, and it was basically a company that taught uh, firearms, uh, self-defense training, tactics. We also did some dignitary protection. Um, I was fortunate enough to get the contract with uh, the Microsoft Executive Protection Unit. So um, I was the guys who protected uh, important um, people, great, important people. I trained them. Mm-hmm. So I worked for my, I had that going on for me. We did some dignitary stuff also. And, you know, I was feeling pretty good about myself. Mm-hmm. And then we win the championships. And then, um, you know, I was sponsored. It was magazine covers. I got invited. I was the uh, technical advisor for the movie The Marine um, with Jake the Miz Mizenin. You know, there's probably like five of them. Okay, this is a B-movie straight. But I got to work on a Hollywood film. And from that, I also got a contract working with Valve making um, the Counter-Strike demo video. And I played every single good guy and I played a lot of the bad guys in the video too. So that was pretty cool being all marked up with this little tight suit on and looking at yourself. It was was quite the experience. Um, So I was living the charm life. Unfortunately, uh, my ex-wife at the time, our relationship became a little little raggedy and uh, volatile when we were doing things that we shouldn't be doing, partying, hanging out. And uh, I got caught up in to some bad stuff and uh, made some bad decisions and went to prison for a year and a half, or nearly wow. a year and a half. And I lost everything. Um, it was very public. Um, I was on every newspaper. It was horrible. Um, I made some bad decisions and I paid for it. And I'll always say this. I mean, I, I, I take full responsibility for what I've done, but it was a good story. So the media kind of ran with it. And uh, I always say, I said, you know, yes, I apologize to my family, my department, and specifically my team members that I brought shame upon them and forgive me. However, you know, it's the media. Sometimes they write things that aren't particularly true. So, but then again, I will say I take full responsibility for the things that I've done and I've been punished for it. And I'm ready to move, move on with my life. It was rough. I lost everything. That was a, that was a really a tough time. And uh, yeah, it was horrible, you know, and as a friend to see a friend go through that tough time was, was tough on all of your friends. Right. It was. Uh, but you know what though, Paul, that experience, I think because I was going down such a reckless path, I've always thought that I had God and angels looking over me, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense. And I've done silly things as a youngster, like most young boys do. But I think God wanted to sit me down. Like, you know what? You're doing a little too much. Let me, you need to go over here and sit down for a little while because I, I may not be able to save you. Mm-hmm. So that sit down really helped me. 
And that sit down, I spent eight months in solitary confinement, 23 hours in and one hour out. So at that point, I had a decision to make. Am I going to break? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to really look in that ugly mirror and be like, okay, dude, let's fix some stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was rough. Lots of crying, lots of anger. But I got through it and I came out on the other side. So now um, I definitely feel I've grown tremendously. I call it post-traumatic growth. And wow. it's made me more mature. And it certainly made me a better parent. Um, and yeah, it, it's made me a better human being. Absolutely. So, and I know it's going to make me, I feel like I'm a better instructor now. Mm-hmm. which is awesome because I'm just now starting to teach again. So, um, but it's, it's different now. I mean, I was just all arrogance and cocky, you know, SWAT badass dude. And it, that attitude got me and my arrogance got me in trouble. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I have, I, but I was humble. And I thank God that, that experience, I had that experience because it's made me a better person. Amen. 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 Well, you you have a real passion. You have a passion for training others. You have a passion to try and share knowledge that you've received and then pass that on to others so that they can implement that in a wise fashion. And and I've seen that firsthand in in not only in our conversations, but in the classroom with you serving. What would you say are some of the um, areas moving forward that you would like to expand in, number one. And then number two, what would you like to share with people in regards to, you know, what you're teaching and how it can help benefit them in their lives? You know, I've always had a passion to teach people if I can give them all the knowledge that I have to help them protect themselves and their families. Because I've always thought, and I know, I was a police officer for nearly 20 years, and police departments are reactionary, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's gonna, if if something happens, for example, in your home, even on a good day, it's gonna take the police officers at least five to six minutes to get there. A lot can happen in that, those five or six minutes. So my philosophy is, is that I want to train, at the time, and even now, train people to protect themselves so when the police get there, the situation may be handled. And that doesn't necessarily mean someone was hurt, it's just that they had the confidence because I've trained them and I've taught them things that would help keep their families safe. And I'm very passionate about that. And I want everyone to be able to protect their families. So therefore, I've always gone in 100% as far as teaching people different things that, that I've learned from the SWAT team. And a lot of times, you know, when you're, when you're going through rooms or you're, you're, you're uh, barricading yourself just in case you need to, if someone, if you feel that there's burglars in your home, you have a checklist of what you need to do. And that gives you so much confidence. I think so. And I've seen it. I know so that you're not just scared and waiting. You know, you know, if you fail to plan, plan to fail, correct? Mm-hmm. So I give people a plan. Here's a plan. You know, it's, it's, it's stuff that's going to help you protect yourselves. And that gives them confidence. And I'm all about that, 100%.
what I want to do now is, 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 I just can't wait, Paul, to get back out there and start teaching again. You know, <laughs> but I've got, I've got some stuff, guys. I got some good stuff to show you. You know, I'm like a little kid. I love it. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. I, you know, like I said, teaching to me is, is, is a passion, and I think that I'm good at it, and I have something that's very important to share, and particularly nowadays. You know, I mean, you know, the way the where our country is right now, it makes me sad. And, you know, I'm a patriot. I love the country I live in, but it just saddens me that everybody's kind of mad at each other now. Mm. And at some point, we're all going to come together because we're a great country, you know, and I'm just waiting for that moment to happen. But meanwhile, you know, when people, when there's lots of fear, then for a person like me, let me give you my services and show you how to protect your family, just in case um, the police officers aren't there when you need them to be. And the guys in blue are having a rough go right now. You know, and I feel for them. I truly do. But I'm also conflicted because I'm also an African-American man. So, mm -hmm. but I, I can see both sides, but I, I really wanted to tell you this, Paul. A lot of people argue the point on why are these um, African-American men getting, getting shot? And what people fail to realize is that any shooting is bad, but it's more of a training issue. Hmm. I'm a trainer. I've been on several shooting review boards. And contrary to popular belief, people think, oh, you're a police officer. You must be an expert shot. That is not true. Um, police officers, unfortunately, don't get the training that they need because a lot of the department budgets will not allow it. Hmm. So it's not the officer's fault. You know, I, I was one of those one percenters that, OK, I'll get my own training. And I've spent thousands of dollars on my own training until I became the chief trainer. And I said, hey, guys. You don't have to go to Chris Costas or Travis Haley's class. I've been to all of them. Come to the range. I'll help you out. So even with the department, I said, you guys are getting some stuff that you pay thousands of dollars for, for nothing. But a lot of times, nobody would show up. And that kind of saddened me. So if there's no budgets for training, and these officers are never used to being in, in ethnic neighborhoods, that, that they qualify maybe once a year, they don't train any tactics because they don't want to go to the class, and then they're put in a situation like that, Bad things happen. So a lot of it is a training issue also. So, and I, I get beat up sometimes for mentioning that. I, like I said, you know, I'm not excusing what some of these officers done, which, which was bad. However, it's also a training issue. People forget that. And defunding the training is not a good idea. Defunding the training. Put the money in training. Train the officers better and all this stuff that's going, it would, it would certainly decrease. 100%. Yeah. It we goes back to prevention. It kind of goes back to prevention and cure, right? I mean, exactly. Um, is it, so the things that we, we learn how to do, we've, if you have a checklist and you practice this checklist, whether it's a fire, you know, for fire escape or earthquake or whatever, right? Exactly. Um, you know, we have that in, in, in uh, buildings, Right. It is, you know, we have a you know fire routine and fire practice and so on and so forth. Right? Absolutely. Um, you know, defunding, that's not a good idea either. No, right? absolutely so. not. Absolutely not. But what? that's my intake on that's that's definitely my opinion on things. And but I feel I do feel that, that the officers on the street need better training. Um, yeah. Certainly. So would you say there's a common myth behind the police and SWAT and personal protection principles that um, need to be discussed and Kind of unfolded a bit. Yes. And, and, and what 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 do you mean exactly, Paul? 
Well, I, when people think of defunding the police, mm -hmm. they may be thinking, you know, I don't want more money to go for these high-tech weapons or what have you, right, wrong, or indifferent. Absolutely. Yeah. What they might be finding out is in defunding, they're actually defunding the training, the cultural education, the uh, psychological um, uh, skills needed to defuse situations. Yes. So defunding can be taking away from the very things that are needed and truly requested by communities. Absolutely. One, and I agree. I mean, if you're going to, I don't believe at all in the defunding of police departments one bit. Basically, if you're going to take money from one area, put it somewhere, put it in a train, put it into training. But unfortunately, training is like the last of the Mohicans to get any funding from the department. Because a lot of departments, all their money go into a general fund. Mm -hmm. And they just give it to certain people. I mean, sometimes you see that, well, you know, this, this X number of money went to uh, build the sheriff a new office. You didn't need a new office. Why wouldn't you give that money to, to, uh, to the guys in the streets that need the training? Boost up your training uh, uh, team, your cadre, so they get better training. So I think if they start pumping money more into training, which can be cultural training, diversity training, of course, police officers carry guns, mm -hmm. firearms training, tactics, de-escalation training. I can go on and on and on. Pour a dump a bunch of money into that, and I guarantee you, you will have better police officers on the streets because they'll have the confidence. They're well-trained. Mm -hmm. So it's a tough job. And I think a lot of people going uh, right now don't think it's that tough. Oh, you know, you guys are just a bunch of thugs. That's not true. That's, that's not true. That's a very small percentage of police officers who are, I would call them knuckleheads. Right. I happen to be one of those knuckleheads, unfortunately, back when I was a cop. And, but I've, I've learned from those lessons, but I still want to share with people, hey, I still have a lot of knowledge on how to help you and protect yourself. And the other caveat is I was amongst these guys for a while, so I know how they think. So I can give you another perspective. I walked on both sides of the fence. So to me, that's a plus. It is. So I'm, I'm humble. Come train with me. I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> Well, you're also an entrepreneur, and I remember when you created Praetor, you created, um, you know, some really interesting products, and you're always thinking about how can I be involved business-wise and make something better, right? Um, you know, I see behind you, you have uh, a, a wall with stickies. Uh, with different ideas and different things that you're working on. You're constantly thinking about how can I be involved in, in these different business ventures and how can I make things uh, work? And that's, that's just, that's one of the things that I would like to encourage young people to, to think, how can you become a business owner? How can you be involved in business? How can you take your passions and expand within your passions uh, so that, it doesn't feel as much as work. I mean, you said you, you you would spend time with SWAT even before you were there. You would, you know, practice and be involved in other programs outside of SWAT to help you get better. And, yeah. you know, having kids recognize that having a job is great. Having yep. a job that you love is fantastic. Sure. Building a career around your passions, uh -huh. that's wealth. That's, 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 that's wealth and human capital. Absolutely. You know, I don't discourage. I have two boys, nine and 
and 11. And uh, during homeschooling, um, I said, you know what, let me, let me show the boys something. So I, you know, I went and gathered all my notes that I've got from several of my clients that were venture capitalists, uh, people who come from your, like yourself, Paul. And uh, I learned a lot. I've learned a ton from you, man, as far as, you know, how, what, what's needed to have a successful business. And I give that information to my boys. So I typed out some stuff and say, hey, in a perfect world, son, what do you want to be? I mean, I mean, your dream, what do you, what do you want to be? Uh, I want to be, so my youngest boy says, oh, I think I want to be a rapper. I said, you know, okay. But you know, you know, you know who Dr. Dre is, right? Yeah. You know, Dr. Dre is a, uh, a billionaire, right? He is, yeah, but he's a producer. So why not be a producer? And then have rappers work under your label. Light bulb goes off. <laughs> okay, Papa, I want to be a producer. My other boy, he says, well, I want to work. I want to, I want to be, um, have a publishing house, a publishing house. He, he really likes to write. I said, why do you want a publishing house? Well, I want to be the place where these authors come with their graphic novel books and all these other things, but I can have more variety. I can do fiction, nonfiction, but I run the house, so I'll make more money if I have more, more different variety of books. I'm like, see, dude, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So we discussed these things, and then every day we would talk about little ideas. And towards, I, I gave them a goal, come December, you guys need to pitch me. I'm an investor that may be interested in your product or what you're doing. So you need to pitch me. So we're working on that now. So it's fun. They enjoy it because I made it fun. You know? So I think that's really important to teach your kids how to be their own bosses. Have your own business. That's that, that, it, a lot of work. Tough. And that's I tell you, guys, it's a lot of work. Yes. But if it's something you love to do, you're going to succeed. You just got to keep moving. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and no, we off and get back up and keep it going. I didn't work. Let me try something else. That's the life of an entrepreneur. Am I right or wrong? <laughs> that is exactly. Well, it's also knowing who you are, right? Um, there, there are those that are meant to be business owners, and there are those that really are terrific uh, people who, who don't have a desire to own their own business. But right. knowing where you are will allow you to flourish. And then if you truly do have a desire to be an entrepreneur, and to have and to and to see how far you can take it, um, you know that that needs to be encouraged as well. That needs Absolutely. to be encouraged as well. Well, as we wrap up, let me ask you this one question, Darian. If what would you share? What would your message of hope be with to parents, executives, or uh, individuals that are just interested in this thing called home protection? It sounds scary. It may sound, you know, nebulous. Um, there's a lot of fear that's also, you know, in that industry. Um, what would, what message of hope would you have, and suggestions that you would have for, uh, for them? I would just say, if I had one comment, I'd say, just pay attention to what's going on around you. Self-awareness. You know, you're not paranoid. You're just paying attention. Right. Pay attention to what's going on around you when you're outside. You're not buried in your phone. Bring that phone up into your workspace right here so you can look around so you don't get knocked in the head. And someone takes your phone. It's little simple things um, that will help you stay safe. And you'll be amazed if you increase your awareness, the things you see. You see things that other people just don't see, which I think is kind of cool. Um, protecting your family 
is so important. And I'm really big on, I'm teaching a course now called uh, Surviving Home Invasions. Mm. Um, and basically it's, that is pretty much extremely high impact, low probability stuff. Mm-hmm. Some bad guys break in your house and they're gonna rob you at gunpoint, and tie you up and those types of things. How do you prepare for that? This class is basically about mindset and the things that you can do in your home to protect yourself if that happens. So it's a fun class, it's, it's heavy stuff, but like, again, like I said, home invasion is high impact, low probability. But my, my, my philosophies with teaching is, as a SWAT team member, we always train for that hostage rescue, crazy guys that just took over the ferry boat, high impact, low probability, right? Probably will never happen. We train to that level. So this stuff down here was a walk in the park. So you train to a higher standard. And I'm big on training and stress inoculation training. So with my classes, I put you right in the mix and make you go there mentally. Because if you play that over in your head and you've done it in your head, even though it's pretend, your brain's like, oh, you know, I've seen this before. If it happens in real life. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense. Training is so important. Yeah. Having you having been on a uh, executive detail with yes. big names, yes, training those that are in close proximity to those with big <laughs> names as far as protection. Yes. Um, what you want to share and educate people with is what they can do, even if they are not top executives at the multi-deca-millionaire level, how they can prepare, think about some things, just have some things in order Mm -hmm. so that they are in charge of themselves, their house, and their surroundings. So house is your kingdom. It's your kingdom, right? It's your your safe space. It is. Your safe space. Absolutely. So if someone is going to, wants to uh, follow up with you, they want to get in touch with you, Yes. Um, can you share how, how would they do that? Is there a website? Is there a phone number? Or is there uh, how would they get in touch with you? Well, I haven't. I haven't. I've just this is basically a true startup. I just started this probably a few weeks ago. I have I'm traveling to uh, to Wichita to teach a class to teach uh, this home invasion course. And then I have some other one in Portland and I've got a couple other courses I'm teaching. So it's starting to pick up momentum, starting to pick up. I'm like, Oh, I need to get something. So unfortunately not, I don't have a, a website face yet. Um, my, I give people my, uh, my, uh, my email address and I have no issues with giving my phone number. If you're interested in some type of training, give me a call. If you have any questions on anything, even if you don't want to take a class, feel free to call me. And I'll answer your questions. If what's it's the email address? That, that, that might, that, what's the email address? That might be easier. Darian at cultivuscg.com. And it's Cultivus Consulting Group. And Cultivus, I came up with that name because I'm a teacher. I want to cultivate and make nice. you better. <laughs> nice. And so spell Darian for people. It's D A R R I O N at Cultivus, C U L T. I B U S letter C G dot com. Excellent. That's probably the best way to contact me. And I will I will get back to you as soon as I can. 
Darian, it is always a pleasure to spend time with you. Thank you for sharing your story, sharing both the ups and the downs, the wonderful things that you're doing, and then how to encourage you know people to invest in their lives, invest in their their human capital, and you know, also protect it. So thank you so much, my friend. You're welcome, man. Hope to talk awesome. to you soon, buddy. All right. God bless. Right. You too. Bye-bye. Until next time, this is Paul Ellis encouraging you to invest in what you love. 